0818-715-815. Hello, good afternoon, and you're very welcome to Liveline. 51551 is our text number. Sinead uh, Cronley. Sinead, good afternoon. Hi, Joe. How are you? Good. You contacted us. Why, Sinead? Um, well, I contacted you because um, we're living um, in an absolute nightmare. Yeah. Um, three years ago in March, mm. um, my daughter and her best friend went for a walk. Yeah. Um, it was a beautiful evening and it was a gorgeous sunset and they went to take photographs of the sunset. Yeah. And about an hour after they left, I got a phone call from my daughter and she was hysterical on the phone. And they had been hit by a jeep. And um, my daughter's best friend, Isfa, um, was killed instantly. She was thrown into a drain. Um, my, my daughter stood up from, she got up from the road. She had been, she was thrown kind of onto the grass verge and she stood up and she saw Aoife's shoes and socks on the side of the road and she ran to look for her and she found her in the drain and she knew she was in trouble. So she had to get out onto the road and start, um, you know, to, to try and get cars to stop. Because the driver initially had had driven away, and he did come back. I'm not saying he didn't come back; he did. But, he but did initially, drive, yeah. he, he he had driven away. So, um, when she called me, and when I got there, a man and woman had stopped, and they were performing CPR on her. But unfortunately, um, she was killed instantly, and the driver was texting um, at the time of impact. And Joe has to stop. I go down the town every day, and every day you see somebody, and people in cars, people in lorries, people in vans, texting. Like, what's wrong with them? It has to stop. You know, we're devastated. Aoife's parents are living a nightmare. Her family on both sides. Our family. My daughter is destroyed. I'm destroyed. My family's destroyed. We've lost. Aoife was like a member of our family. Yeah. We've known her since she was a baby. And people just don't get it. They have to stop. I don't understand. Like how you're looking at your phone. If you look at your phone, you're you're distracting yourself from the road. You're not you're not concentrating on what you're doing. You're not going to see what's in front of you. You're going to lose control of your car. You know, you have to think about other pedestrians, other drivers, other people. Like, this is, as I said, it's coming on three years. And it feels like yesterday. The heartache and the pain, it doesn't go away. And unless you're in the boat, unless you've got the phone call, unless you've, people, you know, you've got that knock on your door. When you lose a child or anybody in these circumstances, it's heartbreaking. And the, the the driver, Eric Dunn, he was 24. He was an unaccompanied learner driver as well. Um, yes. Did he did he say why he drove off? Um, he did. He didn't. I, in the court, like, I, I think he just he didn't realize he said he didn't know he, he hit anything. He didn't know what had happened. 
you didn't see anything. You're not going to see something when your head is stuck in your phone. I'm sorry, but, you know, so he didn't. He, he obviously realised. I mean, you're, you're not going to hit a child and not realise you've hit something, you know. So he did come back, but he, um, he left my daughter long enough to have to get up off the ground and go running to look for her friend and, and to um, have to call for help, you know. And Eric Dunn was was sent to prison. He uh, was, yeah, yeah. Um, but he's out now, is he? He's out. He is indeed, yeah. 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 Um, a year after the accident, we had the court case and yeah. um, he, he did about 18 months. And he pleaded guilty to dangerous driving causes. He did indeed, yes. And Eva was only, like your daughter was only 14 at the time. 14 at the time, yes. Yeah. Um, How is is Cara? She's not. She's, look, she's a beautiful 17-year-old now. Yeah. But her heart's broken. Um, You know, she's, she's, no concentration levels in school. Um, her, her schooling is, you know, she's down to like, you yeah. know, five subjects for her leaving cert. And the school is very good to her. Um, They're very understanding of the circumstances. But Cara finds it very difficult. She doesn't really get very much sleep. She mm. suffers from awful headaches, um, PTSD, um, nightmares. Um. Like a lot of time we're here and uh, every night, every night she walks the corridors up and down in, in, in the kitchen. Like it's all the time. It doesn't go away, Joe. Like, I mean, it's every morning when you wake up, it's every night before you close your eyes. It's all you see and it's every day. And even though it's going on, as I said, three years, it doesn't feel like three years. Like it feels like last week. Mm-hmm. The pain... The heartbreak, the trauma, it doesn't stop. And people don't seem to just grasp it. They have to stop. They have to stop texting and driving. They have to stop. I don't understand why it's continuing. Like, it's just, it's cop on. The coroner said, or the the judge in, in, in his report said, like yeah. it's, it's 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 like it's like reading a book while you're driving, you know. Yeah. When Judge Johnson's sentence done to three and a half years, suspended the final eighteen months yeah. uh, for five years, subject to a number of conditions, including that don't enter a peace bond, engage with the probation services for eighteen months. Yeah. After his release and the A's of mental health services, he disqualified him from driving for 10 years. He already been told that he failed his driving test three times. Some may feel that given this is the judge, some may feel that given the tragic consequences of the offending, the sentence is too lenient. However, I believe the sanction is measured just and fair. The sentence is structured not so much to punish the accused, but rather to deter others who might be tempted to text while driving and to emphasise the fatal danger that such activity uh, attracts. Now, uh, Eric Dunn did uh, offer a, a, an apology in court. He, he, he did, yes. True, he offered true, a, a... true as barrister, yeah. Yeah. 
He said, I wish I was, it was me instead of Aoife. She would be here today if it wasn't. For my stupidity, I can honestly say, I did not see her. And there's not a day or night that I don't uh, think of her. Well, look, I mean, I'm I'm sure that's true. Um, and did, I... Ca- does, did, did, did Cara, uh, this must be so difficult, does, does Cara remember anything of the tragedy? Um, she does. Um, she does. She remembers. She remembers everything. Um, they, as I said, they left my house. They went for a walk. Um, the, the jeep was coming towards them. It mm. was getting dusk. Um, yeah. It wasn't pitch dark, but it was getting dusk. Mm. Um, he did have his full lights on. Um, she could see him coming. Ethan could see him coming. Um, Eva, unfortunately, you know, she was on the outside. Say it, it was a country road. Um, it was only a very short space where there was no path. Very small space, like literally five seconds later, they would have been on the path. So it was just tragic in every sense. Like they, as I said, Eva was on the outside. Carol was on the inside. So mm-hmm. what the guards are telling us is that basically he caught. They think anyway that they, he caught Carol with the wing mirror of the jeep and the whole front of the jeep then caught Aoife. So the wing mirror kind of pushed Kara onto the grass verge and then the front of the jeep caught Aoife and threw her through her um, a, a good distance and threw her into the drain. Um, they couldn't prove speed. Uh, they, they were in a kind of 50 to 60 kilometre zone that they were walking on. Um Speed, unfortunately, couldn't have been proven because, as I said originally, mm. the driver didn't stop. So there was no brake marks or anything. Like, he wouldn't have put his foot on the brake. He kept driving. Um, so they couldn't prove speed. But um, the coroner, uh, in the coroner's court, the coroner did ask the pathologist, did he think speed was involved? And uh, the pathologist did say um, there was significant speed involved to do the damage that was done to her. When, as I did this morning, um, when you see someone driving and texting, yeah. hunched over, it was a truck actually, hunched over the steering wheel. Yeah. Um, two hands, you need two hands to text, I suspect. Um, what, what, how do you feel when you see that happening? It breaks my heart. I get so angry. You get really, really angry and upset, but the anger takes over and you just want to, you know, you want to get out of the car and you want to scream at them. Like, what are you doing? What are you doing? You know, if they could understand, if they could take the pain for five minutes, if they could get inside our hearts and inside our heads for five minutes, but you wouldn't do it. You know, they're not only putting, like, they're putting their own lives at risk as well, but they're putting everyone's lives at risk, you know. As I said, everyone on the road, from pedestrians to cyclists to, you know, other drivers. Um, you, you talk about going to the grave and the difficulty and Christmas doesn't exist and the birthdays and... Um, do you get any at this stage, does, does yourself or Cara? I know we can't 
talk for Aoife's dear family, but do you get any solace from going to the grave? You there, Sinead? Sorry. Sinead? Okay. I'll take a quick break and we get that line back. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. Sinead Cronley is talking about a tragedy that befell her daughter and her daughter's best friend, Aoife. Aoife was killed um, in March 2020, her anniversary, but every day, every minute is an anniversary, as we've been hearing. Uh, Cara survived. Uh, the driver was texting at the time and was found guilty of uh, dangerous driving. I was just saying there before the line went, Sinead, going to the going to the grave is does that provide any solace? It's very difficult. I mean, um, it, you know, she's beautiful flowers, and we keep it, you know, pretty and 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 yeah. colourful, you know, for for Isa because. Um, you know that's that's the way she was. She was beautiful and she was colourful, and and that's the way we like to keep her grave. Yeah. Um, it's you know, uh, I used to go up every single day, and I think I did that for maybe over two years, and now um, I go up maybe every second or third day, um. The you know the psychiatrist told me it wasn't good to go every day to try and cut back a little you know, but they understand that it does give me a little bit of peace. Um, I think it gives me something you know. And t- and tell some us, flowers. tell us a little bit about Aoife. You said there she was colourful and bubbly and. Oh, she was very very beautiful and um, a very good looking girl and. Um, they loved going out to the, you know, they're 14. They loved going to discos and, um, you know, having fun and singing, dancing. Um, I remember I had just booked tickets. Niall Horn was going to be doing a concert and um, Cara and Issa's birthdays are only a week apart. So um, they wanted me to book them tickets to Niall Horn for her birthday. Um, and that's what I did. And but she knew, she knew. I had told her, and I'm so glad I did because the tickets went and said. And I'm so glad I told her, and I'm so glad that she knew. You know, she had something to look forward to. And even though the concert didn't go ahead because of COVID, and then it was Eva's birthday, but Eva was six months, uh, six months dead oh. on the day of her birthday. Oh. Um, her birthday is the 20th of yeah. September, and so we printed out, you know, the little kind of confirmations and Ticketmaster and we stuck it in with her flowers and that's what we did on her birthday. Anything, Um, anything, anything to... um, to, She was extremely clever, you know, very bright um, and very, very clever and she had lived for a few years in um, Dubai in Abu Dhabi so she could speak fluent, um, you know, she was fluent in Arabic. You see, I uh, fluent in Arabic. Yeah. Wow. She could speak Arabic. She could write it as well. Incredible. Yeah. And yeah, and herself and Carla were were buddies, booze and buddies, yeah, as only that's right. as only young women can be. Yeah. Inseparable. Yeah, they were inseparable. inseparable. 
Yeah, yeah. It was beautiful photographs like from when they were babies and growing up again, their first communion together and starting school together. And, you know, um, so we've a lot of beautiful pictures and videos and memories. But you see, that's all we have now. Okay. Our photographs. And it's not good enough. But I just wonder what, what would happen if you saw somebody texting and driving, say, and they, they were in a company, just, I'm saying this because it's, well, it can give the red number as well, but it, it, it's a company truck and you rang the guards and are the it's, guards, what can the guards do? I don't think they can do anything, to be honest, because unless they catch them themselves, you know. Unless every, unless you rang the company, but unless every company reminded their drivers under no yeah. circumstances. Apart yeah. from the law, it's illegal, but under no circumstances, because some yeah. of the trucks on some of the, for example, some of the refuse trucks that are on the road today yeah. are behemoths. They are incredible uh, machines, the size of them and the weight of them. Yeah. Just maybe it's time for companies to text their drivers and get them to uh, whatever they, they would do, an early morning text to all the drivers to tell them before they start, reminder, this is yeah. the weather, is this, and what's, what's happening, and this is your shift. But also a reminder... Do not, yeah. do not use your phone while driving. Do not, yeah. do not. And if you yeah. have to use your phone, you pull in in an emergency, whatever, you pull in and make that call. Yeah. Um, but just to remind, to, to, to remind drivers. Okay, Sinead, uh, deepest sympathy on, on uh, Aoife's uh, passing at such a young, young age. What a, and, um, and the effect on her best friend, uh, Cara. And thank you for uh, being so brave enough to uh, contact us. And hopefully people will hear, they will hear, the passion and the conviction and the heartbreak in your, you. in your voice. And not, um, not, um, not, not do it. Willie Hughes, you want to make a quick point? You're in Waterford, Willie. Joe, Joe, I'm so sorry to hear it, Joe. But I, I, I mean, there's a lot of photographs beyond a phone, Joe. The poor girl, my heart goes out for her, Joe. And I, 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 I tell you, I, I don't know what to say, Joe. It's so, so sad to listen to it. But I'll be honest with you, Joe. Anyone that's on a, on a mobile phone, Joe, and driving on my life, Joe, we came a long way from CB radios. But I would say this, Joe. Would you or I drive down a country road and it's pitch black and turn off your lights? That's what it's like, Joe. And it'd be the same in the daytime if you're driving a car or a bus or a truck, Joe. And you're on the phone texting someone or talking to someone. Your whole vision just blanks out. And I think anyone that's caught on a mobile phone, Joe, they want to change the laws fast, Joe. I even fed up with myself, Joe. They want to change the laws. Anyone caught should be six points on their license. Second time around, Joe, 12, 12 points and off the road, Joe. And do a new test. It's just crazy, Joe. Okay. Okay. Crazy, Joe. Yeah. Joe, I seen a fella, I was going down Valley Hill one day in the car, Joe, and I seen a fella in a truck coming under the bridge, Joe, which is very narrow. And he had dockets in his hand, Joe, and he was also on a mobile phone in the middle of nowhere. I don't know where, what he was looking for. Was he on a treasure hunt or what, Joe? It's just crazy, Joe. And but remember, remember a lot of companies where previously they'd have two two people in the, what they used to call them, the driver and the helper. Now, for money or reasons, they just have the driver. And the driver is, right. is multitasking. Um, Cheap labour, Joe, and, and, and costing someone's life. Okay, uh, Andrea, Andrea O'Reilly, your point, please. Thanks, Willie. Your point, please, yeah. Andrea. <clears throat> People are not going to stop, Joe. They're not going to stop. We have to ad address this in terms of some sort of technology, like mm. they did. That man mentioned there about their, uh, the, the, the uh, cab thing, you know, where they were driving too many 
hours, they were, they were too long. We need to have some sort of technology. My husband was just at the Young Scientist exhibition. He's actually a road auditor as well. So he okay. just had to go out of the room. He's so furious about this. But uh, the thing about it is we need technology. And if people know that there's something in their phone that's, that is, is indicating that they're in a moving vehicle, that's when mm. they'll stop they okay. won't stop because that poor woman... Well, I'm sure, Andrea, take your point, and, and uh, the line was a bit unclear there, but the fact that you're, you're as you say, your husband is a, what you say? A, a, a He's a Rose auditor. Rose yes, auditor. Yes. But I'm sure people have come up with ideas to immobilise phones, but I'm sure they ran into legal or other yeah, difficulties. Well, we need to stop about this legal thing. This is people's lives. That woman's lives. It's devastating. Yeah. So how about the legal thing? It, it, it should be that this is saving lives. My husband is out there every day trying to save lives, doing cycle paths and making sure that, you know, yeah. stop signs are in the right place and the whole lot. You know, and I'm hearing this every day. And he has to go out there. And in some instances, he has to redesign the bloody road because it's so bad. You know? Okay. But that's another area. Keeping on the mobile phone, the only thing that's going to stop people is if they know there's something in their phone that will indicate that they're in the moving vehicle. Mm, good you know, it's absolutely terrible, really terrible. Okay. You know, okay. but but that that is mine. That's my point. Okay. Them, if, if people know there's something in their phone that indicates that the car is moving, they I won't do it. Yeah, but we need people. Then we need to get something into people's heads. To say to them, remind yeah, them, but, don't but, become, but, don't become. You're driving a weapon. You're driving a killer yeah, machine. But they don't realise that they are driving okay. a weapon. The car is a weapon. But the thing about it is, if they know, particularly Irish people, if they know, God, I could get caught with this. You know, mm. um, you hear stories about them, you know, turning around at at them, um, checkpoints and all this because they're 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 going to get caught on them uh, and um, provisional licenses, all this. It's in the Irish psyche to try and get away with it. I think it's a colonial thing. But the thing about it is that they know there's something in the phone that'll indicate they're in the moving vehicle. Okay. okay. It's a winner. And I, my heart goes out to that woman. Okay, I understand. understand people but that, 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 that's my point. Okay, Andrea. Know? Thanks indeed. That's Andrea O'Reilly. Des McDermott. You travelled. Tell us how you did this, uh, Des. You travelled from Wexford to Wexford from Dundalk last Correct. Thursday. Okay. Absolutely. And I have a, a little notepad that I use if I get information or whatever that I need to write, jot it down pretty quickly or whatever. So it's just a matter of a pen putting a stroke down. And I didn't even count them until I finished. Like, actually, that was one way, Joe. That was just one way. It's a pet hate of mine. It's just unbelievable. In fact, I actually went in behind a lot of drivers and flashed at them. And I'll not tell you the signal I gave them. I was like, cutting your neck off. Stop that BS. Watch your ass. But uh, as I mentioned there in my email, I sent a simple, simple remedy for this to the National Roads Authority last year and they wouldn't entertain it. Now, this is exactly what I proposed to them, that they could actually put signs up on the motorway that would say that this, this motorway has been monitored by other uh, mobile phone usage, has been monitored by other road users. And my suggestion to them was 
because obviously they told you would be encouraging people to take photographs, but I didn't act overcome that. I said, providing there was two or more occupants in the car. Mm-hmm. So if you have a second, if you have somebody in the passenger seat and you observe somebody actually texting being reckless and there's lorry drivers, amount of people, it was just disgusting. Um, there was one particular lady, she didn't even know she was alive. She was taking all sides. Those cars backing up behind her, she didn't even see it. I mean, this is crazy well, stuff. You counted, you counted many people uh, texting and driving. I counted them when I got down there. 173 people that were texting from my left Dundalk until I actually got to Wexford County Council. Absolutely disgraceful. But just think about that. And as I said to them, all they have, and they came back to me and said, well, listen, the motorway wouldn't have enough signage. We wouldn't have signage to put up across the motorway. Mm. You can imagine a sign flashing that says, mobile phone usage has been monitored by other road users. And imagine that getting out there. And the truth, you take a picture of somebody that's doing this, text them. Mm-hmm. Now, there was an awful lot more people who was on the phone, and is I there, didn't is there, them. Not, is there not a catch-22 to take a picture? You've got to take your, unless you have dash cam, um, you've got to take your phone in your hand. That's what you, that's what we're against. Yeah, but that's why people I'm having the phone in their hand. Correct, but that would be suggesting that there was a, it was a passenger, not the driver. Has to be two or more occupants in the car that could then take the picture of the person texting and then a picture of their reg number. Follow it through to Angar the Shia Kona, and if need be, the thing is you would have to go and give a statement. And that's mm. the only way that okay. we get across to these and people. And how long have you been doing these surveys, Des? Well, it wasn't a sur- I mean, it's a pet Sorry, of mine. Yeah, I travel for a living. So okay. I'm on the road every day. And the observations that I see with some people and lorry drivers, it's just unreal holding the wheel with their knee and the t- two hands on thing yeah. texting going round yeah. and round about. Yeah. I've seen it all, Joe. I've seen it all. Yeah, what about something people? has to that, be done that, to But be how, how do you manage to, to collate this information without being distracted yourself? No, because I have right up on the top right-hand corner just directly behind the steering wheel. You know, the wee small pen, you can buy more, a lot of traveling people will, will use them. Okay, you just tick it. So, and okay. it's just a tick. Tick, And that's okay. all you, yeah. So, I, but I've, I've often, I'm often watching it, and I have first aid and I've ordered a Malta, and the amount of accidents that Malta. I came on board as yeah. well, Joe. And, and you know what? You just knew what the problem was. Okay. And an awful lot of this is mobile phones, and there has to be something done. It's ridiculous. I mean, ridiculous. But that was, I think that was a fantastic idea if the National Roads Authority would have taken that up, just put a sign up. If it never anything was done, but just to have that sign here that says, this motorway, mobile phone usage is, been, is monitored on this motorway by other drivers. You might think twice before you start texting, you'd be looking around to see who's looking at you. Okay, Des, safe travelling and uh, okay. things need. Edward, Edward Cummins, Edward, good afternoon. You're listening to Sinead talking about Evil. Yeah, go, go really ahead, Edward. That, that woman who lost her child in that such a tragic circumstances, and it brought back memories of from my my own childhood when my sister was knocked down and killed when I was three. I was there; she was five and a half, and the tragedy of that. And I only realise now as in my 60s now, the, the devastating effect I had on my mother and the fact that most of my childhood, all I can remember is my mother crying. Yeah. So you can understand the, the tragedy of it and the fact that, you know, I was listening to a lady from the uh, Road Safety Authority there on Morning Ireland, I think it was last week, uh, saying that like at 30 kilometres an hour, even 90% chance of surviving being hit yeah. but at 60 kilometers of an hour you have a 90% chance of being killed and speed is a big factor here 
and as that previous call I was listening to him there about people texting on phones when people get into a car it's like an extension of, of their home they feel comfortable in it they feel you know, insulated and they feel that they've no, they've no, they don't realise the consequences of the mistakes they make or the act or the actions they may cause yeah. and like oh, last week I was cycling because I've never driven Joe I've only cycled all my life and I was cycling into town there and the guy nearly knocked me off my bike. He was oblivious to me because he had, a, he had end plates on his car and he had these pretty expensive headphones over his ears. He was oh. obviously listening to music. Yeah. And I don't know whether he knows it or not, but it's illegal yeah. to wear headphones in a car. And to that lady who lost her daughter, and I'm not saying I know exactly how she feels, but I was reared in a family where... We lost. I lost my eldest sister in, in, to to a road ac- accident, and it affected me deeply. Okay. And it took, you know, later in life, I, you know, I went and I saw psychotherapists about it, and I've yeah. been in psychotherapy now for four years okay. because of the effect that had a, on me as a child. That's sixty years ago, Joe. Yeah, that, that you know, and, and I, I, I was a child at the time. And every time I think of my mother, and, you know, she was 28 at the time when that happened. And I just remember sitting down in the grocery shop on Dolphin's Barn. I was in the buggy with my sister, my twin sister, and my mother just crying and crying and crying. And she just cried. I thought for the next 10 years, Joe, that's my only memory of my mother was crying. And all for a split second. So I can understand that. And I have tremendous sympathy for that woman. You know, but... But, no, you just have to... I don't know how my mother got on, Joe. I don't know how she survived. Yeah. You know, because three years before that, she lost my eldest sister to drowning. You know, my my eldest brother, John. He drowned when he was three and a half. So... That's the tragedy. And where did, where did that happen, Edward? In families. And really, I would like in to say where, that. sorry? My, my thoughts are with you, my prayers okay, are with so you, and okay. just, just, okay. you know. Okay, okay. Edward, I'm, I'm, I'm like, 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 likewise please, to you, I'd Edward. Please, I'd say to motorists, just mm. slow down. Yeah. And you know, the ch- if, you were, if you look at that speed, I don't, I don't know how many, I don't know whether motors when they drive, they look at their speedometer, or they think they get so used mm. to driving, they think, well, this is a comfortable speed for me. But okay. look at your speedometer. If you're doing 60 kilometers an hour and you hit a child, 90% chance you're going to kill them. Yeah. yeah. You know, so I'm just saying slow down. Think of the consequences of your actions, of texting. And I've seen them. I've Being seen truck drivers. Yeah. I've seen people even on bicycles texting Joe. Okay. You know what I mean? So it's everybody's, everybody's guilty of yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. But the consequences are life-changing. Okay. And I would just say, my prayers are with that woman, okay. and my thoughts well, are with well, that woman. Well, 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 well said, Edward. Well you know, said, Edward. There are I'm, lots I'm, of mothers yeah, and now pre- in the and same pre- position. I appreciate and, it. You yeah. know, it's just okay, just Edward, thanks, thanks. Thanks indeed. Let me go back to Sinead Cronley just because uh, we've been contacted by a uh, representative of Aoife Doyle's family to say, uh, Sinead, Sinead has been the most incredible support to us this past three years. We are in awe of her strength and of Cara's, her daughter. We would literally have been lost without her. She's an incredible advocate and does everything in her power to honour our Aoife's memory, while also dealing with the impact this utter tragedy has had on her, Cara and her whole family. And that's from the uh, Doyle family, Sinead. 
you you mind yourself and continue campaigning and all our love to Sinead, Cara and, and to Aoife's wonderful family. And Thank uh, God, you, God, God rest Eva for dying. God rest. Um, my daughter Cara wrote a little poem. Yeah, okay. A short one. Yeah. Do you yeah. mind if I Absolutely read it for you? Absolutely not. Absolutely. Please read it. It's a privilege. Okay. We went out for a happy walk. We laughed along the way. We took photos of the sunset as God looked down on us that day. We did not know as we ran along. We would say our last goodbye. We were best friends forever. And only God knows why. He took you in an instant. From beside me, you were gone. My heart in shattered pieces. How will I carry on? I have so many memories. In my heart, they'll always stay. Forever and for always. They will never go away. Look down on me from heaven, my precious Aoife, my best friend, until we walk again in the sunset. Our friendship will never end. Aoife Doyle was knocked down and killed on March the 20th, 2022. She was 14 years of age. May she rest in peace. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. And I know just past 20 past two, it's school collection time. And a lot of children, if they are being brought home by car or whatever, that they might be listening to the radio. Just a warning, the next uh, interview uh, is about coercive control. It's um, with a young woman called Jodie Duggan contacted us and they're very very uh, from her victim impact statement which I'm reading there are very very disturbing elements of it so you might want to take some guidance uh, for the next 20 minutes or so if there are young ears there Jody Duggan Jody Jody good afternoon hi how are you uh, Jody first of all I'm so uh, having read your victim impact statement I'm so so sorry you've went through this horror for I so know, long. It's horrific. Yeah. It's horrific. No, it is, definitely. Um, you contacted us because what, what, is the, what is the main reason, though? I suspect there are many reading the details. What is the main reason why you contacted us, Jody? Uh, my main reason, I too really, like, for other women mainly to stand up and not let bullies like this get away with it. And just with how it went on Friday, how the judge... You know her decision. I just, I'm just so disappointed with it. Okay, so tell us, tell us uh, how you met Jody Duggan. He was your first boyfriend, your first relationship. But then you go on yeah. and say, in your fin- yeah, he was the first person who hit me, the first person who abused me, the first person who cheated on me. The list uh, abused you emotionally and physically. Um, tell us wh- when you met him, Jody, and when you realised things were going very, very wrong. Yeah, I met uh, Jake when I was 17. He had moved down uh, to where I am in Rotow. Um mm-hmm. We'd shown kind of an interest in each other. Yeah. And um, he asked me to be his girlfriend. And at the time, I was young, I was innocent. I was insecure. I just thought, yeah, no problem. I didn't see any wrong with it. Um, but he slowly started to become really controlling with who I spoke to, where yeah. I went, what I did, what I wore. At the start, it didn't... It wasn't as severe. Um, it was little things, like I said. I couldn't talk to other yeah. like men. 
um, like friends included, he didn't like it. If a fella even sat beside me, he'd have an absolute. Oh, he, sorry, <laughs> he'd throw an absolute wobbler if anyone even sat beside me or looked at me. And um, it slowly got worse. We broke up for about six months, and then got back together. And yeah. and it was after the breakup that it got really bad. Um, like that, he would pull up, say I was wearing a dress, he'd pull up my dress and say that I wasn't allowed to be wearing kind of underwear. And um, he'd tell me that the dress was too short, like that. It was it was nothing major, like the dress was below my knees, probably not longer. And he just have an issue with it. Um, then it got physical. Um, he would slam my head against walls and he'd slam my head against the headboard push me, pull me off the bed by my hair. Um, he would... Sorry. <laughs> yeah, take your time, take your time. Um, take your time. He would spit in my face. Yeah. And um, push me downstairs. Um, it got really violent to the point where it'd be on a weekly basis. Yeah. And like that, I was so young, I was so insecure. Yeah. It was my first relationship. I was embarrassed. So I didn't want anybody to know. I hid the cuts and bruises because, like that, I was embarrassed. And I think back then, now I look at it and I just think, like, there's nothing to be embarrassed about. I just oh, wish no. I'd walked away sooner. But, um, like that, the emotional stuff, I think, will stay with me more so. Like yeah. I said in my victim impact statement, the cuts, the bruises, the black eyes, that will all go. But what he put me through will stay with me forever and will affect me in future relationships. And I just think it's not fair for someone to do that and to be able to walk out of a courtroom yeah. with basically a slap on the hand and told not to do it again. And you say in your victim impact statement, take your time now, Judy, still, because it's a really yeah. important story. And you were right to contact us, and it's a really important story to be told. Still to this day, yeah. I am always looking over my shoulder, locking my car doors as, as soon as I sit in, asking friends to keep an eye out. I cannot relax in my home. I do not feel safe walking alone, in work or out and about in my daily life. I watch over my shoulder, not knowing will Jake Bowles be there everywhere I go on my day in my day-to-day life. Now, you do actually answer... You do put the question to yourself in your victim impact statement. People say, why didn't I leave? Yeah. It's easier said than done until yeah. you're in that position. It's a lot easier said than done when someone sat there on your chest with a knife held to their neck telling you that they're going to kill themselves and it's going to be your fault and you're 17, 18 years of age. It's a massive weight on your shoulders and I felt as though I was responsible for it. Yeah. That's why I didn't leave. And I knew, I knew in the back of my head it was wrong. And I took pictures throughout it. But I don't know why I didn't come forward sooner. Yeah. I'll never be able to answer that question. Yeah. Other than I just felt so bad. I felt so guilty. He'd, he'd blame it on me and tell yeah. me it was my fault that I pushed him that far to do that to me. And I believed it. Like, I blamed myself over it. You added, I lost friends. He turned people against me. Made my closest friends think I was crazy. More importantly, I lost myself and had no interest in my life or anything to do for myself. None of it mattered. Every move I made was controlled like I was a prisoner in my own life. It got to a point 
where I hoped my life would end. I didn't see any way out. I was threatened with his life, knives held against his neck, telling me that he would do it uh, and uh, he would kill himself if I left. There, there are the... That's what you had to go through. Yeah, you know, it was awful. Like that, I didn't look after my own mental health and I didn't realise how it was affecting me and I was so concerned that he was going to do something that, and that people would think that it was my fault that he had hurt himself. I wasn't even worried about myself and how he was hurting me. I was totally manipulated and brainwashed. And I look back at it now and I just, it just upsets me so much. Yeah, obviously, obviously. And why, why why, wouldn't it? But again, to come back to this powerful victim impact statement, did you read this out in court, Jodie? Yeah. Um, okay, you they so, did tell me that someone else could read it for me, but I felt as though I had to read it because I felt that the judge needed to hear the effect it had yeah. on me, not by someone else. And she needed to hear from my voice. Sorry. When, take your time. And, and when I finally told someone, your victim statement again, when I finally told someone and made the step to reporting Jake Bowles, I thought this was the end of the abuse. I thought it was done and I had gotten away from him. Almost four years later, I realised how naive this was. I tried to move on with my life, pretend it was all OK and the abuse had ended. But for me, this wasn't the case. Jake Bowles intimidated any new person I spoke to. He called them off unknown IDs. This is in the in his mobile, and he actually hijacked your mobile on a number of occasions to ring your friends as well. He threatened them on online. How, how when did you decide, and how did you decide, Jody, to actually confide in someone and go to the authorities? Um, it was kind of after the last incident in my house. Um, it was one of the worst when he smashed a mirror and a lot of the glass landed on me. So my hands were cut up and some of my arm was cut up. Um, basically that night, he slammed my head against the headboard. He um, would pull my hair and to the point where my head would start to bleed and push me, sorry, he'd um, push me onto the ground and every time I get up, he'd just keep kicking me down. Um, it was that night when it was worse because I sat from my hands and touched things that was blood on the walls. My parents were away, so when they came back, they'd seen it. And um, I just told my man that it was from him kicking the mirror, but she didn't know that he was ever hurting me. And I, when she came in and seen my bedroom, because he had completely uplifted my bedroom, kicked holes in the wall, pulled my wardrobe apart, broke my wardrobe. My room was unrecognisable. Yeah. She seen it and she straight away said, "Was that Jake?" And I just broke down and I said, "Yeah." And she said, "That's it, Jody. Enough is enough." So um, I never told her he physically hurt me until the next morning on the way to work. I just couldn't hold it any longer, and um, I just broke down and told her. And straight away we just called the guys. Yeah, rightly so. Okay, take a take a little breather there, Jody. Just take deep breaths. Thank you. Jody, this whole the way he controlled you, the, 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 your friends, the mobile phone. Tell us about those incidents. Yeah, so he'd he'd take my phone off me and text me. Sorry, not text me. Text my friends off yeah. my phone. Um, especially like my best friend. She, I tried to tell her, but at the same time, didn't want to tell her fully what was happening. I just tell her that we were arguing and that I was upset. 
and he'd see that he'd look over my shoulder, he'd want to check my phone, and he'd see it, and he'd text it back saying, "Oh, don't worry, it's all sorted." Or he texted back saying things like, "Oh, I hate her, and I don't be friends with her anymore." Good God. And like I was just so embarrassed. I thought to myself, how am I meant to text her now and tell her that wasn't even me? And yeah. um, he tried to log into my social media to try find photos because I think he suspected that I was taking photos of the injuries. And he didn't know that I actually made a second account on Snapchat and Facebook and I was sending them to myself just so I did have them. And yeah. um, he literally controlled me down to what I ate. Um, he gave me food once and I was really sick. And I knew I was going to get sick, but instead of letting me go to the bathroom, he made me stand there and get sick in my hands because he made that food. And it was my fault because I was just ungrateful. And um, it's just disgusting for somebody to make you stand there and do that. It's just degrading. And he would pull up my dress and tell me I wasn't allowed to wear that kind of underwear because... That is coercive control, apart from the physical, the horror yeah. of the physical. Um, how, did you, how did you find the court experience, Jodie? Um, traumatic enough. Um, it's very difficult seeing him there, especially when I went to read out my victim impact statement. He sat right across from me, staring at me. And it's intimidating enough going up there in front of the judge for him to be sat there, literally like a couple of metres away from me, staring at me. It's horrible. But I knew myself I had to read that out because I needed that closure for myself and I needed people to hear it from me. But having to go back and forth four times, I thought I would be in maybe twice max. And having to see him over the past year... Every time I see him, I just want to get sick and it just, my anxiety just spikes. It's absolutely horrible and I wouldn't wish it on any other girl. He threatened your extended family. He took your passport. He, yeah. th- he, threatened, he threatened to kill himself, as you said, if, if you left him. So there was no, there was, this was unending. Yeah, no, it felt like it was never ending. And I felt like I was trapped. I felt like it wouldn't end and I couldn't escape from it. He, he would tell me no one would believe me. And if I was to tell anyone that that he has already made me out to be the psychopath anyway, so nobody would believe me. Yeah. And I believed that no one would believe me and that's why another reason why I hid it. But you still had, you still had, Jody. you were brilliant. You still had the... Uh... The presence of mind, going through all that fear of of setting up, a, taking the photographs, of doing your best to keep him away from them by setting up the second yeah. account. You were doing. I think I you, knew. Yeah. In the back of my head, that it wasn't right, and that something had to be done, and I kind of needed the photos to remind myself because after he would hit me, he wouldn't be remorseful, he wouldn't be sorry, he wouldn't apologise. It would be my fault. And did he show any remorse last Friday when he was found guilty? He got a suspended sentence. But did did he show any remorse? No, none at all. Fair play to victim support. They do an amazing job. Yeah. They stand in front of me and block me so that I can't see him walk down. I can't. He can't look at me. And you say as well in your victim, uh, I will never get back the bubbly, confident young girl I once was and will forever be the, this version of myself. And I've lost all confidence in myself, struggling massively in social situations, ashamed and embarrassed. 
are, yeah. are you getting uh, help from professionals, Jodie, can I ask? Yeah, no, I've gone to counselling and they've well told done. me that. Um, well done. Like, now I suffer from PTSD and anxiety and stuff, but yeah. it is hard. Like, it's hard walking into a room knowing people are looking at you and whispering things to And I walk into places and all it takes is for one person to remind me of them or one person that's still friends one for me to see. And I just can't be there. I just, I have to leave because it's just, it just reminds me too much of what has happened. Are you worried, Jody? He's he walked free. I'm reading from the front pages of Sunday World. Yeah, uh, he walked free from court. Well, a suspended sentence, of course. But um, are you worried you might see him again? Oh yeah, like it's a small world, um, especially here. Do you know, yeah. there's a high possibility I could bump into him. I've bumped into him before, um what stopped me from bumping into him again in accident, do you know? And that terrifies me. I'll never forget bumping into him before and turning the other way so he wouldn't see me and literally straight home. I do fear, yeah, there's a high chance of being somewhere and seeing him and I don't know what could happen. I don't know what he what he'll do when he sees me. Um I, I won't go anywhere by myself. Um, yeah. I, I bring a friend or like I said, if I am driving somewhere I lock my door. Just, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm like, I am scared. He is walking out there. I don't know what's gonna happen. I can't say, but no, I am nervous that there is a possibility that I could bump into him. And you're incredibly brave, Jody, um, in so many ways. Long before Thank you. this court case, you're incredibly brave talking, contacting us. You're incredibly brave talking to the Sunday World, who right, rightly so gave it so many pages on Sunday, and it was their lead story. Um, yeah, but are you are you worried about that? This 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 chap yeah. Jake Bald is still is walking free. No, I am worried, but at the same time, like I'm proud of myself for coming out and speaking about it. Yeah, people needed to hear what he was like, and he might not have gotten a sentence on Friday, but being named and your face being out there with the story and the truth is a sentence in itself. Yeah. And Jody, you're you're an accomplished makeup artist. I'm told you've you've got great <laughs> you've great skills. Thank um, you. Unfortunately, from, from from what you said elsewhere, you've had to use the makeup artist skills on yourself to hide the bruises from this yeah. and the, the injuries from this man. Um, yeah, I sorry, I'd hide them, but then like I'd oh, also blame them on myself for just being clumsy. Do you know? Yeah. Yeah. So you have your family around you, Jodie. You're, I do. You're, you're still very, very young. You're very, yeah. very young. You've gone through a lifetime of abuse for such a young, a young woman. Um, I, as you say, your family are, are with you. You were uh, uh, close enough to your mother to be able to tell her about this eventually, yeah. even, even all the pressure, after all the pressure he put you under. Um, yeah. I, I, hope, I hope you can... Regain. I understand what you're saying. Your victim impact statement. You don't feel it now. I hope that you regain uh, that wonderful, wonderful confidence and bubbliness and personality and skill uh, that that you, that you have. Hope, I know it will come back. I know it will come Thank back. Thank you. What would you what, what would you say to those listening after uh, about the fact that this man got a suspended sentence? Just for any other women that are going through it or letting the man do anything along the lines of that. They just need to know their worth and just not let a bully like that push them down 
you could do so much better. I never thought I would, and I have. And I just can't thank my family and my, my best friend enough for all the support they've given me because without the support, I would not have been able to do it. And with him walking free, it just goes to show in Ireland, you know, there's supposed to be yes. zero tolerance for this kind of behaviour. And look at the outcome that I got. And then the, the worry is, Jody, as you know, that other women who have suffered abuse will say, what's the point of me going to court? He'd walk free. That's the thing. You get a That's suspended sentence. OK, but you you still believe you were, uh, um, and you can hear it in your voice, you still believe you were totally right in speaking out despite yeah. the risks. Definitely. Yeah. Okay. Definitely. Jodie Duggan, I wish you well. You're a wonderful, wonderful person and your family. Thank and you. You thanked your great friends. I'm sure women listening especially will find nothing but courage and support and help in what, you, in what you've just revealed. I wish Thank you, you. I, I wish you well in your long, long life you have ahead of you, Jodie. Your Thank long, you long much. life you have ahead of you. And um, may you fulfil all your all your ambitions, your hopes and your dreams. You. You're still a very young woman. Jodie Duggan, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. Joe Duffy. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. Two brief announcements about upcoming events. Uh, I mentioned yesterday in the programme we were talking about the menopause and I mentioned that we, we, we'll be talking to uh, Professor Anne-Marie Minahan. Uh, originally from Ireland. I heard her on BBC over the weekend and she has uh, done, uh, she's a co-leader of a study into HRT and dementia and once again more benefits from HRT have been uh, detected. We'll be talking to her tomorrow uh, on the programme and then when I mentioned menopause people contacted me saying did I know anything about this National Menopause Summit which is um, happening in March and I don't and I thought as you did when you saw a National Menopause Summit it was organised by the HSE or Department of Health it's not it's organised by a company called Best Infest it's from 9 to 5 it's on in the Mansion House um, uh, the week after St Patrick's Day and it's open to everyone, but it is €150 Euro per ticket. It is €150 Euro per ticket. And then the second event I wanted to mention, completely different, is next Friday week in the Kingsley Arms Hotel in uh, Cork, uh, Cork City. And that is uh, our monthly Funny Friday with Paki O'Callan, Frank Toomey, uh, the Kingsley Hotel, it's called... Um, uh, Frank Toomey, um, uh, Paki... Uh, uh, Al Forn, um, Frank Ford, the list goes on and on and on uh, and uh, will be good fun. And that's completely free, by the way. And not only is it completely free, um, we'll give a load of giveaways as well on that day. That's Friday, the 27th of January, uh, the birth date of uh, Mozart, would you believe? He was born on 27th of January, uh, 1756. Um, yes, OK, that's Friday week in the Kingsley Hotel in Cork City. Uh, Ashley Hayden, back to drivers and texting and that horrific story uh, we heard. Ashley, your point, please. Yeah, Joe, hi. Um, my wife rang me up and said this was on. OK, I believe the data protection laws mean that a Joe so like me can't go in and, and um, report this activity, which is ubiquitous now, I'm a coach driver. Uh, I've been driving coaches for the last seven years. And as I said to your researcher, uh, one incident, and, and I see them every single day, 
mm-hmm. every single hour of every single day, texting or on the phone. Um, a cement mixer coming off the M7 there at the Red Cow onto the M50 heading towards um, Finglas. I know they were heading towards Finglas because they came off at the Finglas exit, still on the phone. I had to take evasive action to avoid this person. It was a male. I Essentially, I could take all the details of the truck, of, of the vehicle, and I could verify them off my tachograph. I went to Ballymongada station mm-hmm. and I said, this has happened to me. Um, here's the details. I can verify this relative to the tachograph. There's a GPS on, on that person's phone. You can ring the, the company. We can verify all this. No, we can't, the guard said, because of data protection laws pertaining to mobile phones at the time. So your, your work came to naught? Absolutely. And um, I've tried this again subsequently on a number of occasions, and no, nothing's changed. It's still the same. So even though um, the fines have been increased with regard to texting and mobile phone usage, in principle, I don't see any... I, in fact, I see it getting the problem getting worse, mm. not better. And um, I've nearly been put off the road three times driving while driving doing my job, Joe. Um, and what, do you, what do you mean put off the road? What does that phrase mean? Where a car to... would be coming towards well, you. You don't, you, don't, you don't mean by the guards? No. The put off by, the road, yeah. That's too by, many a, things, yeah. by a mobile phone oh, driver, yeah. using driver. And I've had to take a base of action three times to avoid them. And sometimes you mightn't be able to avoid them, but in these instances I was, because there was space. If, uh, other than that, I... Uh, it could have ended up with with a crash. Um, and, and you so, say, I've seen people watching football matches. Yeah, I've been driving along and you'd see people watching football matches on the dash with, with the mobile phone on the dash or, or uh, bigger, whatever, you know, big smartphones and what that type of crack. I've seen them playing football matches. I even had one incident whereby the person, and it was a Range Rover this particular day, but that's neither here nor there, um, phone in the right hand, cigarette in the left hand, um, the, the cigarette hand with the finger around the steering wheel. They were doing 60 mile an hour because I can't do any more than that. They came by me um, slightly above 60 because I can't go any more than that. And we're going on the same way. We're on a, on a, on a motorway. And um, they're taking a pull out of the fag, knocking the ash out the window while still on the mobile phone. So at that particular instance, there's no hands on the steering wheel. <laughs> and I'm watching this Good as God. they go up along the sides. Good God. Yeah. And I could go, I could give you a, a list of them. And so could my colleagues and so could anyone who works for Dublin Bus or Bus Aaron or anything like that. You know what I mean? Okay, we're talking about Dublin bus. Colette, uh, Colette good afternoon. 51551 is the text number. Joe at RTE.ie from anywhere in the world. Colette. Good afternoon, Joe. What did you see? Don't give me the number now, please. Don't know. Well, I was travelling back to Dublin by coach. It wasn't okay. Dublin bus. Okay. And um, I was sitting across diagonally from the driver and he was texting as he drove down the motorway at 80 kilometres at least, with at least 30 to 40 passengers on board. And Colette, now, tell me what you saw. Hands on steering wheel, he, he didn't have, did he? Obviously not, no. Well, tell, tell me what you saw. 
Right, this is pre-COVID, so yeah. I'm sitting, as I say, diagonally, yeah. and I see him texting. I can't tell you exactly whether well, one he hand, know. One hand, two hands. Don't know. Okay. I can't remember what, how he was doing it. Um, possibly one hand's resting on the steering wheel and texting. I can't, I can't tell you exactly, but I watched him and watched him. And I got more annoyed. So eventually I got up and told him not to do it. And? and? He stopped. And he didn't do it again for the rest of the journey. I did complain to the company and they said they'd look into it. I was able to give them the name, the the time and route of the bus. I didn't hear any more back. Well, you never heard back from them? No. Okay. But you did take the time to make the effort and... Yeah, yeah. But like it's 30 to 40 people's lives at risk while he's travelling. And I'm not too sure he was only going 80 kilometres, but I can't guarantee it. I couldn't see this mileometer. Well, well done you, Colette. Well done. Um, Have you had occasion to do it since? Um, No, I haven't travelled down the same route by coach. Just I've driven the last time. But it would be, I have a brother and I would travel down it, you know, by coach. It's easier to and cheaper than when you're traveling on your own yeah. to go down on, on yeah. um, okay. the coach. Where's Claire? Thanks, Claire. Claire, good afternoon. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Claire. Claire. Hi, hi, Joe. Can you hear me? Yes, loud and clear. Go ahead, Claire. Okay, yeah, I, I think you had a, a caller on earlier who had the same idea. I believe that um, um, mobile phone manufacturers uh, should be, it should be mandatory that um, a, a software is, is, is installed yeah, but so that you see, if but the I, phone but, is moving yeah, at a certain speed, yeah, but what about, that, it, that so it becomes no, yeah, uh, dysfunctional. But, no, that's, it's just not going to work. If it did work, it would have happened years ago because... For example, uh, fire engine, paramedics, Garda car, the Garda who's not driving. That's totally separate. That no, is, no, no, they no, they no, operate in a totally separate system because even okay. if you do not charge your, your, your mobile phone or you have absolutely no money on it, you can still call emergency services. No, I'm not, I'm not making that point. You're saying that... The, uh, what I'm saying... That a moving vehicle would automatically disable a mobile you, phone. You cannot talk about, about social media and mobile phones now today without talking about addiction. Okay. It's an addiction. Okay, I was just, I was just, just going to make the point if, if you try, and I'm sure they can, if, uh, it, because the, the technology in a mobile phone will talk people to the moon 60 years ago. But... Um, if you if you did put in an immobiliser for a moving vehicle, what about the passenger? Did you hear what I said about addiction? Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. Okay, I take your point, Claire, and 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 people people would hear Clara, Clara. Yes, your sir. point, please, Clara. I'm a cyclist and a walker, and I frequently see people texting uh, on their phones. It's particularly noticeable, say, in slow traffic or at junctions. So they think, like, we're not moving too fast, so we text. But they're still in control, well, we hope, of a two-ton metal box that's lethal. And 
any time I have intervened and said, please, can you get off the phone? It's illegal. I'm told to F off, basically. And you do. Would you now come back to the, the, the brave act, Clara, of saying it? Yeah. You say it to people. What reaction do you get? Well, I mostly get told to F off, or who are I t- do I think I am, or am I the police? Uh, but you're, on, but now, but am I, but you're, on, you're on a bike. <laughs> you're on a bike. Yeah. How do you yeah. communicate with a truck driver, a bus driver, a car driver? Mostly it's cars I, I interact with. I will <laughs> not take on Do you knock truck. on the window? But if I'm beside them, yeah, I might knock on the window okay. or if the window, quite often the window's open. Okay, and what would you say? So, what would you say? And I would say, please get off the phone. It's okay. illegal. It's dangerous. Yeah. And does and anyone ever say, sorry, 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 thanks. One goodbye. person. One person had. Ah, he smiled and he said, I'm sorry, I'll put it away now. Yeah, well, I said, thank you. The least could do, he yeah. was foreign, bless him. But most people, no, they're just rude and aggressive and they take it as a personal insult. And that's very worrying because I'm a vulnerable road user as a pedestrian or as a a cyclist. And, you know, the mother of three small children texting furiously on her phone got very ratty because I challenged her. And what did she say? She said, what's it to you? Mind your own business. I said, you've three children in the car. Oh, she's three children in the car? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, I don't have a solution to this, but what yeah. I am thinking of is, can it be taught in primary school? See, I don't think the solution so the, is in people's hands. I think it's in their heads. Well, it is. Has to but be the adults break. don't care and they feel immune and, and protected by the metal box they're in. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, if you could yeah. tell primary school children that using your phone when you're driving is very dangerous and very bad... Mm. Would the children then challenge the parents? Yeah, you often get. It's that. like smoking. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. that worked for smoking, mummy. It's not healthy to smoke. We've learned that in school. That worked. Yeah. Okay, Clara. Safe travelling, Clara. You 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 cycle mostly, or you walk, or is there a... mostly? Well, it depends how far I'm going. I yeah, cycle Clara's mostly. And the and the weather conditions as well. It's supposed to get very cold. No, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Oh, well no, there's wet, wet, wet gear is what yeah, it's called. Yeah, there's no, no such thing as bad weather. It's yeah. bad, it's, no, no, no. It it's the, wrong, it's the wrong, clouding for, wrong clothing for the weather. Okay, Clara, yeah. safe travelling. Thanks indeed. Joe Thanks. at RT.ie, 51551 text. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. Joe Duffy! Talk to Joe on 0818-715-815. A good suggestion there from one of our uh, listeners about the National Menopause Summit, as it's called. It's a private event. It's 150 quid a ticket. It's on in the Mansion House uh, in March from 9 to 5. And they, the, the caller said, if this is sold out at 150 quid a ticket, which I'm sure it will be, that's the cost of an early board ticket, by the way, would the organisers um, be willing to Zoom it or uh, broadcast it on Facebook or whatever so all the women around the country will get an opportunity to hear uh, the speakers? And we put that to the organisers. If they said that if the, it's a private company, they have to make, they have to pay their uh, costs and make money, I presume. But if it does sell out, would they be willing to allow people free access to it on their phones or their iPads? Okay, John, John O'Keefe, John, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Joe. Uh, you're you're listening uh, about the texting. Your your, your suggestion, please. Uh, well, what I'm saying is, there's not enough people prosecutors. I know there's uh, 
figures issued every year and so many thousands. Wow. But there can be an awful lot more and done very simply. Uh, yeah. I live here in Drumcondra, which is full of traffic, as you know. Yeah. And I'm currently continually walking around here. I see the traffic jams. And I reckon two out of five people sitting in their cars will be on the phone. Are they on a handheld phone, which is not handheld allowed? Handheld phone, yeah. Handheld, yeah. Oh, yeah, illegal. absolutely, yeah. A lot of you, 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 can be, you can be loud now, and hands-free. Okay, they're, yeah. they're stopped in the traffic, but that's still yeah, on the yeah, phone yeah. and yeah. it's illegal. Yeah. So I, uh, what my suggestion would be, if I can do that and see all these people on the phone, why can't a guard just walk down the street the same as I do and talk yeah. to them, roll down the window and say, I'm prosecuting you? Yeah. He would guess if you guess two guards out together, they could prosecute ten people every ten minutes. Yeah. You know, a simple way of doing. Now, I did hear a guard on before on some radio program. I'm not sure it was yours. He said he was driving around Cork City for two hours or something, and it was very difficult to find anybody uh, on using the phone. I think in the two hours he got two people, but obviously. If he got out of the car and walked up and down the traffic like I do, you'll see them there and just prosecute them. Yeah. Okay. 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 Loads of suggestions. Thanks indeed. And loads of support uh, for uh, Jody Duggan. Loads of support and loads of sympathy for Aoife Dial as well. Uh, the, the, the two stories that that featured today, uh, people contacting us. Thank you so much. Back tomorrow, one forty-five. The name of the hotel we're in is it's in Victoria Cross in Cork. It's next Friday week and it's called the Kingsley Hotel. Fergus Weeny produced Ray Darcy's next. Oh eight one eight seven one five eight one five stays open until three fifteen p.m. Or email Joe at rte.ie.